Welcome to the 12th Street Daily, a podcast intended to encourage our faith family as we seek to become apprentices of Jesus. Good morning, good evening to everyone listening to this episode of the 12th Street Daily. We are continuing on in our Cloud of Witnesses series. Uh, last two episodes, you heard about two guys from the early church period of church history, and today we're moving up about 500 years or so to to the medieval and Reformation church period. Um, now, I'm going to say this. A lot of us are aware of the Reformation. We know that that happened. Um, we talk about it a good bit. But there's a couple of people, um, especially in the medieval period, that get overlooked sometimes. And that is not what we're going to do today. We're going to tackle one prominent medieval theologian. But there's a good many medieval theologians. Even though they're called the Dark Ages, uh, God's light was still shining. Um, today we're going to be talking about Thomas Aquinas. Um, they called him the dumb ox. Um, now there was nothing dumb about this man. They were mostly referring to his looks and, um, honestly the way he spoke. Um, sometimes he would be in the middle of a conversation and, um, he would just start talking about things that had nothing related to the conversation. Um, he had one eye that was significantly bigger than the other. He was very fat. Um, he suffered from edema. And um, honestly, just not a very charismatic looking dude, but man, I'm going to be honest with you. The guy is referred to today as the doctor of angels. What was it about Aquinas that made him live his life in such a way that reflected the glory of God? Now, Aquinas um, was born in an Italian castle. Um, he grew up at the age of 14, uh, Was a um, went learned underneath a Dominican, and he would become a Dominican monk um, while he was at university at the age of 14. Um, his family did not want him to do this. They wanted him to be a uh, lawyer or an archbishop. Um, they did not want him to be a friar or what we would know as a monk, but honestly... It didn't work. Um, it even got so far that his brothers kidnapped him, confined him for 15 months, and they tempted him with prostitutes and offered to buy him the post of um, Archbishop of Naples. Now, that's a pretty tempting thing for a young man, all right? Power and sex. But Aquinas kept the faith, moved off to Paris, and there he fell underneath the teaching of Albert the Great, who was one of his greatest influences. Now, the thing about Aquinas is that Aquinas is not only just a great Christian thinker, the man was just a great philosopher in general. The dude was just a thinker. Um, he was a guy that um, constantly, constantly, constantly thought, um, which we don't have, like, many great philosophers today. I mean, there's there's some, and there's philosophies that float around, but um, that engage with us. But, man, just people that just sit around and think all the time, those guys, they, they and those guys and gals, they intimidate me a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. So as a philosopher, he was just constantly, constantly battling with the idea of reason. Why reason? Well, because when he read all these other, you know, secular scholars like Aristotle, who was like his like fascination, he realized that these works were unknown in Europe for centuries. They essentially just kind of disappeared. And he's like, I need to bring these back. But here's the thing. Aristotle explained the way of the universe without using the scripture, but by observation and reason. So Aquinas was like, how do I wrap reason with Christianity, with the scriptures? How do I wrap my mind around these things? And he was in the middle of a conversation. All right. He was dining with Louis the Ninth of France. And everybody else is engaged in conversation. He's staring off in the distance and he slams down his fist and he says, 
There's an argument that will destroy the Manichees. All right, do you remember the Manichaeans I talked about yesterday with um, Augustine? Um, this dualistic thought. He just randomly at this table had a thought that could destroy it. At the beginning of his work, the Summa Theologiae, or, or the Summa Theologica, essentially this, the summari- summarization of theological knowledge. He stated this, in sacred theology, all things are treated from the standpoint of God. He, in this work, took philosophy and theology, reason and revelation, and married them and said both are fountains fountains of knowledge because both of them come from God. Reason, according to Thomas, is based on sensory data, what we can see, feel, hear, smell, and touch. Revelation is based on so much more than that. Reason can lead us to believe in God because we can look around and go, well, there's a tree, there must be a God. Oh, there's a sun, there must be a God. That has happened all throughout nature. But revelation, God revealing himself to who he is, that is special because God has revealed himself who he is through the scriptures. So reason and revelation are not enemies of one another. They are together as one, and Thomas Aquinas has revealed this. He said this, in order that men might have knowledge of God free of doubt and uncertainty, it is necessary for divine truth to be delivered to them by way of faith, being told to them as it were by God himself who cannot lie. So Thomas ends up writing this massive work. He continues to work on it throughout the rest of his life. Um, He also wrote this book, uh, Summa Contra Gentiles, which is a manual for missionaries to Muslims. Um, And he is eventually... um, just hailed as one of the greatest teachers of the church. Um, both Catholics and Protestants revered him. He, they, I mean, they, they, I mean, Catholics said that this guy was preeminent. Um, he's a doctor of the Catholic Church, um, and he influenced a lot of um, a lot of Protestant thought, specifically in the Reformation and even today. Um, Thomas, though, was never necessarily pleased. Toward the end of his life, he had a vision. Now, we don't really know what was in this vision, and he had many visions throughout his life. He spoke about them sometimes and wrote about them, about what these visions were that he had, and he had this vision. His secretary begged him to start writing after this one vision because he quit writing. Um, Something he saw in this vision just compelled him to quit writing. Aquinas replied back to his secretary, I cannot keep writing. Such things have been revealed to me that what I have written seems to be but volumes of straw. So his Summa Theologica, which I just referenced and that you can still purchase today, it never was finished. Like, what in the world? Like, listen, I'm the type of guy that when I pick a book up, I got to finish it. All right, I have to. It's just the way I work. It would be so frustrating to pick up a book that was never finished by the author. And Aquinas was so overwhelmed by the glory of God, so overwhelmed by whatever he saw inside this vision that was revealed to him, he said, everything I've written is nothing more than a volume of straw. Literally one of the greatest works of Christian thinking ever, ever. It's just a volume of straw. It means nothing. It means nothing. He died three months later after he saw this vision and went to be with the Lord Jesus. So when I think about a verse for Thomas's Aquinas' life and, and, and what we can walk away with from this man's life, number one, we should be Christian thinkers. Gosh, I'm, I'm going on a little bit, of just a, a little bit of a side rant here. We, especially in the Bible Belt, in Gadsden, Alabama, we have a mama and them faith. And when I say mama and them, we believe whatever our mama and them believed, right? Like, we don't really engage 
with the intellect. Jesus said that he is seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth. He's seeking worshipers in heart and head, married together, that move out through the hands. Brothers and sisters, let us be Christian thinkers. Let us not divorce the intellect so that we can um, engage our fancies and just continue on throughout this life um, not being reasonable creatures who can think. God created you with the ability to reason. Use it for your faith. Ask hard questions. Seek hard answers. And what will happen is that you will notice that you will come away with a deeper appreciation for God because I'm telling you, like, I mean, the guy literally wrote a work that was, I mean, the great, one of the greatest theological works of all of history. It's a huge systematic theology. And he said, oh, it's just a volume of straw compared to what I saw. That is how big our God is. No matter what is on the books of our shelves, God is still as big, but we can still reason and still engage with him in that. The verse that I walk away with, though, is this, Philippians 3, 8 through 10. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The Greek word for that is essentially equal to our word for crap. Actually, a lot more of a vulgar word than that. You can use your imagination. But count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know the power of his resurrection in him and may share his sufferings and be like him in his death. At the end of his life, one of the greatest Christian thinkers said, all things are straw. Brothers and sisters, all that we do is straw in comparison to knowing Jesus. Let us engage with Jesus. Let our eyes behold him. Let us exalt him in worship. And let us continue to pursue him in all that we do. Thank you for tuning in this week's episode of 12th Street Daily as we continue on through our series, The Cloud of Witnesses.